James chapter 5. That's where we're at today. James 5. We're going to look at verses 19 and 20. So look there in your Bibles. If you'd like to stand, we often do that in this service. And I'll read, and then we'll pray, and we'll get going. My brothers, if, any among, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Father, we, we pause to seek you as the ruler and as the sovereign creator and judge of all the universe. And Father, we praise you for your strength. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your, your faithfulness to us, your mercy. God, we ask that you would move in our, our world. God, that you would hold back the spread of this virus. We pray, Father, that you would restore our economy. We pray for families that have lost jobs, that have uh, been, been harmed financially. Father, we pray for your provision. God, we know you're a good provider. We pray that you provide for them. We pray for your hedge of protection around our community. We pray for wisdom for our president, for our leaders. God, we pray for your hand to be upon our country. Lord, we've been asking you for an awakening in our land for a long time. And Father, I pray that you would use even this terrible thing uh, to bring about repentance, to bring about people seeing your glory, seeing that you are indeed coming on the clouds. And Father, we, we pray that you would help us to be a light to our community. We pray that you'd help us to be faithful in our witness here and that we'd be a blessing uh, to our community around us. Father, we, we love you. We ask for help and understanding and obeying this passage of Scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So uh, many, most of you know I was at uh, my daughter's wedding in Washington, D.C. this last week and um, Washington, D.C. has not asked me, but I have a new slogan for their city. You know how cities have slogans? And so I think a very appropriate slogan for the city of, of Washington, D.C. would be, Washington, D.C., everything's harder. I think that would be really appropriate. It's true. It's true. Everything's harder. So having a wedding is hard for your daughter. Having a wedding in Washington, D.C. when you don't live there is really hard. And uh, so just trying to get around, trying to get people where they need to be, trying to haul stuff. Uh, it was incredibly difficult. So anyway, we, 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 we were on the end of that Tuesday, and we were flying back. We had taken a monstrous amount of luggage, not because of our own clothes, but we hauled things there and hauled them back for the wedding. And so, um, so we had like eight bags coming through the carousel, and uh, I had got my family down to baggage claim, and I had sprinted down in that tunnel, you know, that tunnel that goes underneath, you've been to Will Rogers, goes underneath the parking, and it pops you out at the uh, at the the beginning of the long-term parking and then I, I ran to our car I got our car and I went back through around paid and then circled back around come around and parked a baggage claim and then I called my wife and I said I'm here and she came out to sit in the car and I went back in and got uh, several bags that had, had these were all like 50 pounders so I'd grabbed them and the kids were pulling them off the carousel and I got them and I dragged them out outside you know where my wife was parked and by the time I got out there the security had made her leave you know because we weren't there and so she had to circle around and so I'm out there and so I called my daughter my oldest daughter and I said send Haven my youngest daughter send her out here to the to the street to stand with the bags, and then I'll come in, and I'll help you guys carry the rest of them when they come off and come out, right? And so I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and 
nobody came, nobody came. And finally, my wife circled back around. And I loaded those bags. And, and then I was like, well, you know what? So I called, and, and I said, where are you guys? And they said, well, Dad, they all came off, and so we're just bringing them. We're dragging them, but it's really hard, Dad, you know, because they've got all these bags. And then they've got Asher. Now, if you know Asher, he's worth three bags, okay? You don't have to carry him, but just just logistically, you know, there's like six bags, and then him, that's like nine bags, and there's just a couple of them, and so I can hear them. They're, drag, you know, they're dragging the luggage, they're trying, and, and I'm like, you know, okay, okay. So I, I run back in. I'm going to meet them. You know, I run back in, and I run to the, the carousel, and everybody's gone, and there's no kids, no kids. And I'm like, what in the world? You know? And so I run back around. I run back in the other door. I thought, well, maybe they went the other way. So I run back in the other door. And there's no kids. They have wandered away from the truth, okay? They've wandered away. I don't know where they are. And so I finally call them. And, and what had happened is they thought that I meant that, I, that we were all going to long-term parking. So they went down in that tunnel and they were dragging all that stuff that way. And so anyway, here, here's the deal. Here, here's the end of my story, okay? So I I stopped them from dragging them for a mile and got them back up where they needed to be and we all got back together and I, I, I brought them and I did it in the worst possible way I could have done it, okay? So I didn't get to take Pastor Dan's parenting class for Lincoln University and it showed, okay? I don't always blow it as a dad, but I did that day, okay? I, I, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being... You're very Christ-like as a dad. I was a solid one or two, probably. You know, I was like, you know, what in the world? You know, I told you this. You know, anyway, I, I didn't, I didn't handle, but I did get all my kids together, and we did get in the car, and we did make it home. Okay, so this passage is talking about people that wander where they're not supposed to be, and it talks about bringing them back. I, I want us to talk about two things. I want us to talk about how do we bring them back? Okay, how do we bring them back? But also how do we bring them back in a Christ-like way? You see, you can do what I did, and you can get everybody back where they need to be, but you can do it poorly. And I don't want us to do it poorly, okay? So we're going to look at how do, we, how do we get back people back to where they're supposed to be, and how do we do that in a beautiful and a Christ-like way, which is what we ought to do, okay? All right, so let's talk about, first of all, just the logistics of this passage. Who are these people that have wandered away from the truth? Okay, who, who, what's he talking about here? How do we know when someone has wandered away from the truth? Okay, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. What it doesn't mean is people who have momentarily blown it and then repented, all right? So many of you may be thinking that, um, well, the illustration I use is kind of a, kind of a good example of that, okay? I, 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 I don't want you to carry that too far. I didn't curse at my kids. I didn't, you know, I, I just was like, what in the world? Where are you? You know, that kind of a deal. Instead of like, being happy that here they're trying to drag all these bags. So I don't, you know, they were actually trying to do a good thing and they just were going in the wrong direction, you know? And, and, and so what, what I'm saying is I immediately knew I had blown it. I immediately knew, hey, I, that was not right and I need to get right, okay? Those are not people you need to go after, okay? So what, I, what I'm saying is there, there are people that, that for a moment step off the, the, the path of faith, step off the path of following Jesus, they head in the wrong direction for a moment, and then they realize, hey, I'm not where I should be, and they get back on the path. You don't need to go after those folks, okay? You don't need to point out their sin. Some people will read a passage like this and be like, all right, this means I get permission to point out everybody's sins, okay? 
you do not. That's not a good idea. It's not healthy. It's not Christ-like. Jesus is incredibly merciful to you. And that's not what this passage is talking to us about. What this passage is talking to us about is people that actually wander away from the truth and they habitually head in the wrong direction, okay? This is folks that they've left the truth. They've left the, how they ought to be living, how they ought to, how they ought to be trusting Christ. And they've wandered in the wrong direction and they're living that way habitually, okay? Those are the people that we are commanded to go after. See here, you don't really have a choice. We're actually commanded. Somebody needs to go after these folks, all right? Notice how, how James puts this. I think this is a beautiful way to describe it. He says they have wandered from the truth, all right? Now, I think that's beautiful because really, really, you could describe the Christian life as the Christian life is appropriately responding to the truth. That, that's what it is to be a Christian, right? Uh, to be a Christian is we know the truth about God. We know about his, his glory. We know about his son. We know about his righteousness. We know about his, his life. We know that he's glorious. We know that he's valuable. We know that he's the treasure worth giving everything for. And the Christian life is responding to that truth, right? So, so if you're here this morning and, and you're here because you know that Matthew 13 says Jesus is the treasure worth giving everything for, you know that, that the Bible says God is glorious and beautiful and good and valuable in every way, and so you're here to say, I want to praise him. And I, I, with my life, I want to sing his praise. I want to pursue him. I want to seek him. I want to know his word. I want to be right in his will. You know what? You're, you're rightly responding to the truth. Okay, that, that's what it means to live the Christian life. So, so like, for instance, you might, you might read your Bible and you might realize what Jesus said about pride and selfishness and lying and sexual morality and idolatry and hatred and unforgiveness and lust and, and all that. You might read your Bible and say, okay, Jesus said those things are sin, all right? Now, someone who's living the Christian life, they respond to the truth of that by saying, I, I don't want any part of that stuff. I'm going to flee from it. I'm going to battle against it. When I find myself in it, I'm going to quickly repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ for my sins. See, that's someone who's living according to the truth. So somebody who's wandered from the truth, what do they do? Well, they, 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 they're, not, they're not acting according to the truth anymore. When, when they hear about sin, when they hear about, about pride or selfishness or hatred or unforgiveness, they don't respond. They, they keep living contrary to the truth. That's who, that's who James is talking about. He's talking about people that are not responding to the truth as they ought to be responding to the truth. Now, what, what that tells us is that gives us a clear vision of what it looks like to bring them back. What does it look like to bring somebody who's wandered from the truth? It means you bring them back to what? You bring them back to the truth, right? You bring them back to believing and to responding to the truth of God. What that means is this ministry that we're talking about, you guys going after those who've wandered from the truth, that is a ministry that is heavily truth-oriented. So in other words, if you're going to be a part of this ministry, if you're going to be a part of going after people who've wandered from the truth, you're going to have to learn to speak truth, right? You're going to have to learn to exhort people with truth and rebuke people with truth and, and encourage people with truth and remind them of the promises of God's truth. You're going to have to learn to be a truth speaker, okay? You're going to have to learn to share truth, all right? Now, here's the truth, though, okay, about that, is that that changes how you do, how you do that changes depending on the situation, depending on the circumstances, depending on the sin, depending on a whole lot of things, all right? So here's where we get our, our two, two things that we want to accomplish. We want you to go after people who've wandered from the truth, but we want you to do so skillfully, 
Okay? We want you to do so in a Christ-like manner. So, so you're going to have to learn to speak truth on one hand, but on the other hand, you're going to have to learn to tailor that truth to the situation at hand. Because that's going to look different depending on the situation. Let me give you some examples of how different this can look. So in the Bible, in the church at Corinth, there was a man who had started, he was in the church, he was, he was a believer, he professed to be a believer, and he started living with his stepmother in an inappropriate relationship, okay? Guess what Paul does? Paul writes a scathing letter, okay? And it's a strong letter, okay? Strong words in, in 1 Corinthians 5, basically exhorting this man that his soul is in jeopardy and he needs to return, he needs to return to the truth, okay? That, that a believer does not live in that way, all right? So in one instance here in the Bible, we've got a guy who writes a letter, so there may be situations in when that, that's appropriate in our context. That maybe you send somebody a letter. Maybe you send somebody a text. Maybe you send somebody an email. But there's other situations in the Bible where actually it says, no, you need to go to them personally. Okay? So situations in which there's a sin against you personally. You know what Matthew 18 says? Matthew 18 verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay? Notice, don't put it on the prayer chain first. Okay? Don't, don't announce to your small group, hey, let me tell you how this guy sinned against me. I want everybody to know before I go. No, it says you go to him first. You go to him alone first. You make it between you and him alone. And then if that doesn't work, then you go back to your small group and you, you, you get a couple others and you guys prayerfully get a strategy and then you guys go. And if that doesn't work, then you bring in the church, you bring in the leadership and you, you know, like there, there's, there's a strategy to this. But you notice, you notice how things change according to the situation, right? You don't, you don't just go with the whole church right away. You go alone, right? So we wanna do this skillfully, we, we want to speak truth and bring back the wanderer, but we want to do it with skill according to the need of the, of the situation. There's even times in the Bible where this is done publicly, okay? Not very often. Please do not jump up and do it publicly right now, okay? Uh, so don't, don't jump right there. But there's situations where it's a leader. It's a leader who, who's, who's in sin, who's wandered away from the truth, and, and, and they're, they're, not, they're not where they need to be. And, and actually, Timothy gives instructions for how to do this, okay? But we find an example of it in Galatians 2. In Galatians 2, Peter, okay, one of the apostles, who knew that God had, had, had forever said that it's only through Jesus that people come to faith. It's not through Judaism. In other words, if you wanted to come to God today, you don't have to become a Jew to come to God. You come straight through Jesus. And Peter knew that. God had revealed that to him in Acts, the book of Acts. And yet when Peter went to visit some Gentiles, some people who weren't Jews, he was having a great time eating with them, fellowship with them, treating them like Christians. And all of a sudden, people from Jerusalem came, some of, his, some of the big wigs, you know. And they start looking at Peter, looking down their nose. All of a sudden, Peter gets up from the table, you know, kind of, ah, guys, I'm not hungry. No. Hey, Peter, you want some more pork chops? No, 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 I don't eat pork, you know. And he... And he he basically betrays what he knows. You know what Paul does in Galatians 2? He gets up right in the middle of all that and he confronts Peter. Why? Because it's a public situation, all right? So, so here's what we learn. What we learn is that there's a different way that you go after the wanderer, the one who's wandered away from the truth. That, that looks different depending on the situation. You, you may use a bunch of different tools. You, let me give you some of my favorite tools to use in going after people that have wandered from the faith. One of my favorite ones is personal testimony. 
You know what I've found? That there's a lot of people out there that don't like for you to preach to them. This is okay, right? But what I'm talking about is like you and him meeting at McDonald's, and then you pull out your Bible and start, you know, hey. A lot of people rebel against that. And so what, especially people that are in sin. And so what, you know what I've found? What I've found is that to give a personal testimony is often really effective. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with a guy and I've said, hey, how are you doing? Man, I know you're struggling. Man, I've seen in your life that you've pulled away from these things. Hey, can I share with you what God's done in me in those situations? And, and you know what? I don't have a 100% track record of success, but I've had a lot of successes just sitting down with somebody and saying, let me share what, what God's done in me. Let me share how, how God brought me back when I, was, when I was off track. Others of you, you might just want to use the word. There have been times where, there's, again, there's some people that respond better to the word. And there's been times where literally I was sitting down at a table with somebody, and I, and I just turned the Bible around, and I said, hey, would you just read this passage right here and just, just, just let me, just tell me what you think of it. You know, I, I'm not telling you what it is. I want you to read it. And, and man, I've had some beautiful situations of people who just, just read the scriptures and responded, responded in obedience. I don't think Carolyn has a coronavirus because she does this a lot on Sunday morning. I mean, for real, if you're, if you're new here, uh, <clears throat> she does get choked up. And so, I mean, I guess it's possible, but I don't think so. It's going to look different in different situations, all right? Now, here, here's, what, here's what we need to understand. We, we need to understand why somebody or how they're away from the truth and, and, and who that is and what that looks like and how we can bring them back. And then we need to understand why would anybody, why would anybody wander away from the truth? So maybe you're here this morning and, and your Christian life has been nothing but this. You know, anybody here like that? Like you've graphed your Christian life and you just, you became a Christian and you just took off. Like it's just been nothing but more joy and more faithfulness and more obedience and more prayer and more success and witnessing and sharing the gospel and you're just climbing. Man, praise God for you, okay? But, but I bet you, I bet you there's others of you who would say, you know what? I've actually had some times of dips and I've had some valleys and I've had, I've had some struggles, okay? And, and so asking the question, why? Why would somebody wander away from the faith? That, that, that's kind of a, that's a complex question, but I want to divide it into two big categories, okay? The first category is this one, and this one's kind of scary. The person was never a believer to begin with, okay? Now, I, I don't want you to jump to that conclusion, okay? Please, please don't jump to that. So in other words, when you see somebody wander away from the faith, please don't just jump to the conclusion that they're not a Christian. The Bible does not do that. Okay. Now, the Bible holds out very clearly that that is the reason some people wander away from the faith. Let me give you some examples of that. In, in Matthew 13, you remember Jesus spoke about the wheat and the tares. He told a parable in which basically what he said is, is that the word of God is going to go out and it's going to be like a farmer sowing seed in his field and that wheat's going to come up and there's going to be fruitfulness. But you know what an enemy does? An enemy comes in and sows seeds, sows weeds in the field and, and they come up as well. And, and, and so you have wheat in the weeds. And basically what he was saying was there will be that in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there, there will be people who are not true believers within those, the, the gathering of true believers. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus actually says that, that will exist all the way to the judgment. This is one of the saddest passages in the Bible. But Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone who says to me, 
Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Man, be, be, be clear about his language there. He doesn't say, hey, I knew you and you fell away and so I cast you out. No, he says, I, I never knew you. In other words, these folks were a part of the gathered church. They were people who served and did things, but they actually never, never truly had faith in Christ. They, they were never true believers to begin with. And, and so, so the reason why some people will fall away is, is that exact reason, is that they never knew Christ to begin with. One, one of the most famous examples of this, I think you'll, you'll recognize, is Judas, of Jesus' 12 disciples, one of them, and, and Jesus said it before he even, even fell away. Jesus knew that he wasn't. None of the others did, though. You ever thought about that? Peter, James, John, man, they trusted Judas completely. They trusted him enough to handle the money. He was the guy that handled the money box for the apostles. Now, you guys know this. If you trust somebody with your money, you probably trust them, right? And so nobody suspected Judas, right? But, but we find out that Judas actually never trusted Christ. He was in it for all the wrong reasons. So it's possible, it's possible that many of those who wander from the truth, they wander from the truth because they were never in the truth to begin with. But I want to come back to what I said before. Don't assume that, please. Don't, because the Bible doesn't assume that. In other words, when you see somebody wander away from Christianity, please don't assume automatically, well, they were never a believer. Because you don't see the Bible doing that. Here, here in James, you don't see him doing that. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover him up. I mean, James assumes, hey, go get them. They're a believer, right? That, that illustration that I told you about in 1 Corinthians about the, the man in the church at Corinth who was living with his stepmother in an inappropriate relationship, Paul, Paul does not assume he's not a believer. L listen to how he, how he talks. In 1 Corinthians 5, he says, When you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Listen to the last part. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? What's Paul's motive? He wants to bring this guy back. He wants to bring this guy out of this, this terrible sin, this unbelief, this this. Having, having wandered off out of the truth, he, he wants him to be saved. He's saying, do what you do to bring this guy back, to bring him back into the church. That should always be our attitude about those who wander away from the faith is, man, we want to bring him back. And, and, and how are we going to know whether they are a believer or not a believer? We're going to know by how they respond to the truth, okay? Because he, here's, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that a believer may fall into sin. That happens, it does. A believer will not stay there. Man, there's a beautiful passage in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. And then John goes on in the next chapter to describe that further. He says in verse 9, No one born of God, this is 1 John 3, 9, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Isn't that beautiful? He cannot keep on sinning. I mean, I'm telling you, when I think about my own testimony, that, that was the biggest kind of mark of what God had done in my life. Um, prior to, to May of 1990, I, I, 
folks, I knew what was sin. I, my, my parents had taken me. My dad was saved when he was 28. I was, I was young. I, I knew what sin was, but I, I could not break free of it. I, I, I just stayed in it. Uh, no matter what the preacher said, no matter how bad I felt about it, no matter how guilty I felt, no matter the destruction it brought in my life, I just kept going in sin. But at my conversion, something, something happened there. I know what it was. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. And, and, and not, not that I was perfect or not that I, I didn't cease to struggle with sin. I absolutely did and still do. But you know what happened? I couldn't stay there. Like, like, like something changed in me that I could not continue in sin. And so, so really, from, from a strategy standpoint in James here, the Bible's saying when you go after these folks, if they're believers, they're going to respond. They're going to respond to the truth, to the word, to the inner conviction of the Holy Spirit, to, to God's discipline. At times, God disciplines. God may be disciplining our nation even now. You know, but God... They'll respond. Those who are believers will respond to your ministry in their life. Because here's the reality that James is teaching. There are times where God says, yes, I'm going to bring the wandering one back, and I'm going to do it through you, through you. You're going to be my instrument. You're going to be that someone, all right? So... So let's, let's talk about that. What, what, what does that look like? So, so, okay, first of all, we've got some people that wander because they're, they're not believers to begin with. We've got other people that wander because they are believers, but they get weary, they get discouraged, they're persecuted. I was reading with some guys this week in 1 Thessalonians where um, Paul's writing to a great church. The, th- the church at Thessalonica, he's got nothing but great things to say about him, but he's worried about them. You know why he's worried? Because they're going through hardship. They're going through trial and struggle. And, and so in chapter 3, he sends Timothy to them. And he says, we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one may be moved by these afflictions. Do you see what Paul's afraid of? He's afraid that affliction will, will move these guys away from the truth. And so he sends Timothy to speak truth into their life, to, to keep them from wandering away. So there's times where we just get weary. There's times where, where we get discouraged or, or the, 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 the bottom falls out of our life. And, and so Paul is saying, be the person that goes after them. Man, I, I know that a lot of you are like me. You want to do something significant with your life. I, I really believe that's in a bunch of you guys. Like you want to do something that matters. And, and this matters. This ministry that James is describing here of, of going after the one who's wandered from the truth and bringing them back, being used by the Holy Spirit, being used by God to bring back a wandering sinner, that deeply matters. I mean, James describes it as, 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 as saving their soul from death. He, he describes it as, 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 as covering a multitude of sins. And, and so I want to just finish with this question. Who is going to be this person? Who's going to be the person in this congregation, actually we need a whole bunch of you, who's going to go after those who have wandered away from the truth? Who, who's going to be that person? Well, let me, let me tell you, let me describe them for you, okay? I'm going to describe what they look like, and then, then you, 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 you tell me if you're ready to be this person. So number one, it's a person who cares about people who wander, okay? You'll never do this well if you don't actually care about the souls of people. You know, if, if, if you look at your life and, and, and really all, all you care about is your own comfort, your own recognition, your own pleasure, your own way, your own success, your own good, 
man, you, you probably will not give enough effort to this because this is hard. Like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but going after people that are in sin, that's a hard thing. And it's not, it, it's got great fruit on the other side when it's successful, but initially it, it, is, it is not an easy thing to do. And so in order to pull this off, you've got to be a person that deeply cares about the souls of others. I was reading with one of my groups this week in 2 Corinthians 12, and, and Paul finishes with uh, the, the last, the chapter 12 with this verse. He says, I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of you, many of those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, sensuality that they have practiced. Man, what a beautiful picture there. Paul, Paul says, I realize some of you wandered from the truth. And so what did he do? He wrote letters to try to bring them back. But as soon as he gets there, he says, I'm just afraid that when I get there, I'm afraid that some of you won't have repented. And what, what's he say? He said, that'll make me mourn. He said, I'll weep over that. And, and, and so clearly, to be this kind of person is to be the kind of person that cares deeply about the souls of others. Second of all, it's got to be a person who can do this in love. The book of Galatians gives us a great picture, really good instruction here. We're just going to breeze through it real quick. We don't have time to, to linger. But Galatians 6.1 says this, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. All right, real quick, a couple things here. What does he say? Number one, do this in gentleness, Okay. Don't, don't go in there and, and be rough with people. I, I don't think God really gives you the permission to, to be rough with someone who's caught in sin. Yeah, I think you need to go in with gentleness. You need to go in with humility. Notice he says, keep watch on yourself. What does that mean? Man, don't, don't go in there like you got all the answers and you're perfect and you never struggle. Man, you need to go in there gently. And then, then the third thing he says is, bear one another's burdens. You, you know what's gonna be true if you're actually gonna pull this ministry off? You're going to have to carry some heavy loads, okay? When you, when you go in to help somebody out of sin, to speak truth in their life, a lot of times, you know what you end up doing? You end up carrying a mess. You end up kind of helping. You end up, I mean, sin is a burden. Sin brings burdens on people's lives. And so you end up kind of in, in the midst of the mess, right? Trying to bear some burdens to help people out of sin. Galatians 6.1 says you are spiritual. You need, you need to be a spiritual person, someone who's, obeying and following and leading, the following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. One more thing I'll add just out of, out of Matthew uh, that Jesus said. In Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about judging others, and he says, you know, why, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And that's where most people stop reading. This is really sad, right? Most people stop right there. And they just use that as a passage that says, hey, don't, don't you dare look at my life. Don't you judge me. You need to keep reading, okay? He says, first take the log out of your own eye. Then, then what does he say? He says, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, right? Like, why do you, why do you take the log out of your eye? So you can see clearly to help your brother, okay? Jesus is not saying, hey, don't judge anybody. Jesus is saying, hey, you, you, ought, you ought to help people. You, you ought to be adamant about helping people come back from wandering. And so let me just review, okay? What, what should you do here? Number one, you should care. You should care. You should actually love people in, in gentleness 
and you should bear their burdens, and you, and you should depend on the Holy Spirit, and you should check your own, your own self. Now, you know what I'm afraid after that list? There was like five things there, wasn't there? I'm afraid, I'm afraid a lot of you are going to say, well, I don't have all those, all those five perfectly covered, so I'm glad that uh, I'm glad Pastor Daniel's going to do this. <laughs> hey, if, if you don't got all these five covered, you need to get them covered, okay? That's what today is about. Today's about you getting them covered, right? Like, like maybe, maybe you need to take the log out. Well, get that log out, man. Don't walk out of here with it in there. Like, that's why we're here. Get it out. Maybe, maybe you don't have a gentle spirit. Hey, put one on now. Maybe you don't care enough about the souls of people. Well, you should care. Like, you should get those things right today. And then you know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you to think right now about people you know who've wandered from the faith. They've wandered from the truth. I know you know them. You know, Pastor Dan can testify. We got a spotter's list in our office. I pray through it continually. And, and in that list, there are people that were once walking in truth, and they aren't now. Why? I, I don't know. You don't know. You know what we need to do? We need to go after them. And, and here's, here's what is absolutely clear to me. Some of you are the best people to do that. You have the relationship. You, you have their respect. You have their friendship. You have opportunity. You probably work with them. Now, for some of them, it's, it is our pastors. It's Pastor Andrew. It's Pastor Gary back there. It's, it's me. For some of them, it is us, all right? But for some of those folks, guys, it's you. And so would, would you just take some steps of obedience this morning? Number one, maybe just jot down some names in, in your Bible, on your bulletin. Just jot down some names of who can you go after? Who's wandered away from the truth? And you can bring them back. And then second of all, and I'll just finish with this. Would, would you make sure today that you begin to live in such a way that you're surrounded by people who will come after you? Now, I know what most all of us are going to say. It'll never be me, right? It'll never be. Actually, the Bible says don't say that. 1 Corinthians 12 says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall, okay? And so I, I think it's really arrogant for me to say, hey, that'll never be me. That might be me someday. And you know what I want to do? I want to live in such a way today that I got men around me who will come after me. So how, how do you do that? Well, number one, you don't isolate yourself. You know how we're always pushing you toward small groups and Christ-centered relationships and discipleship groups with, with other people? You know why we do that? Because we, 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 we believe the Holy Spirit works that way. We believe the Holy Spirit works through relationships, okay? So, so don't isolate yourself. Stay in relationships. Number two, don't be a bristler, okay? You know what a bristler is? A bristler is somebody that as soon as somebody starts getting too close to them, you know, they maybe make a comment about their personal life or about their attitude or about their, their marriage or something like that, something they might see. Some people porcupine up real quick, right? They just, they, you know, they bristle, right? And, and they make sure that they, they, they make sure that they make you, make sure you know, hey, you got too close there, buddy, you know? You, you're going to get poked if you go any further. Don't, don't do that. Sometime you may need somebody to come after you. And so, so today, start learning, start learning how, to, how to live a transparent life. Start learning how to, 
how to live life where you let people into your life. You're like, Pastor, how do I do that? Let me tell you a real practical way to do that. When you're hurting, when you struggle, when you're, when you're going through a rough time, ask people to pray for you. Ask people to let them into your life. Let them into your struggle. I think that, that begins to open the door. So prayerfully, we'll never need it, right? Prayerfully, all of us in this room, we'll, we'll never need this. But, but I'm afraid that probably the more likelihood is, is it somebody or many of us maybe at some point in our life, we may wander away and we, we may need someone to come after us. And I want to be the kind of person that puts that around me now. I want you to be that person as well. Who can you go after this week, folks? Who, who can you go after? Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help in this. God, we ask that you would bring back lots of wandering souls. God, bring them back. God, we, we just think of people that we know. God, I, you put two people on my heart this morning. God, between the first and the second service. And, and Father, I, I, I want to make a commitment that I'm going to go after those guys. I'm going to go after both of them. God, please give me an opportunity. Please help me, Father, connect with those two men this week. And um, help me to do so in gentleness. God, help me to do so in, in just um, tender love and in prayer and dependence on your spirit and God, help me to do so willing to bear some burdens, willing to, willing to take a load. And Father, I, I pray that you would just put people on, on hearts all across this room. God, send us out this week. Maybe, maybe this week might be the perfect week to do this, God. Just as many people have had events canceled and their, their life just got less busy. God, I pray that you would draw our attention to spiritual things. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? We're going to sing together.